0: The FT.
1: Just two topics in this week's show a return to feed in tariffs for solar and the International Energy Forum for OPEC. You're listening to Energy Weekly with me, David Blair. Joining me in the studio this week to talk about oil prices is the FT's commodities editor, Javier Blas. And we have Aldo Beolchini from the merchant bank Next Energy Capital to discuss the impact of the review of feed in tariffs which we looked at in last week's show. Thanks for coming in this morning Aldo. Next Energy is one of the major players in the Italian solar PV market with ambitions for the UK market as well. What reaction has the deck review provoked in the sector?
2: Well, just yesterday we have hosted a conference in London uh, where we invited the entire renewable energy community and those investors who had already made investments in the development of large pipelines of solar plants in the UK, we can uh, report that there is uncertainty in in the market. And although it is good that um, Greg Barker has clearly said that he doesn't want to implement any retroactive change. Greg Barker is the Minister of State for Energy responsible directly for this. Absolutely. So although Greg Barker has said that he doesn't want to implement any retroactive change to the existing tariff, still he has mentioned that there will be a review of the entire system and with a particular fast track review of large industrial scale solar installations. Now, this is coupled with the uncertainty on how exactly the cap on the budget will be allocated amongst those qualifying installations. Is actually creating a total freeze amongst the equity investors and also amongst the lending institutions. These projects have got a very high capex, so they require the capital markets to work properly to support the developers with debt financing.
1: You say there's a complete freeze on investment. How great a risk is there now that future development of the UK solar industry may effectively be put on hold?
2: This is currently the situation as we see it. Until there will be additional clarity, it will not be possible to deploy those large investment strategies that are very much needed to kickstart the industry. This industry is uh, capable to create large numbers of new, much-needed jobs. Estimates go in between 30,000 to 100,000, but it requires economies of scale. We are actually believers in the concept of the grid parity. But in order to reach grid parity, which means reducing the cost of the solar power down to a level which is comparable with the traditional sources, it is important that the industry reaches a certain minimum size.
1: The government says that the feed-in tariffs were originally designed to promote small-scale solar schemes, household schemes, and so forth.
2: What's wrong with that? We are totally favourable towards the residential applications. And energy Capital, for example, we have invested uh, both in, in a pipeline of Projects uh, on brownfields for large-scale, uh, and industrial-scale installations. But we are also investing in residential schemes. We are backing those installers who are going to install systems on the rooftop of the individual homes. We believe that that is actually the future. And if you look at more developed countries from a solar perspective, like Germany or Italy, the residential sector is already now taking over the large industrial scale. But in the infancy of the industry, it is important that there is a space for the industrial scale installation. And this is again to create those economies of scale.
1: Isn't there a danger of the industrial scale fields taking a disproportionate share of the money available, however, and effectively squeezing the household
2: sector out of it? It all depends on what is the target. If a government has got a certain target uh, between here and 2020 that can be measured in terms of total capacity to be generated by solar power, that can be translated into revenues that need to be paid out. Now, the total cap has been set, but at a very, very low limit, which will not allow for the targets to be reached. It is important that uh, the review will include also a calculation on how grid parity is going to be reached in between here and 2020, so that the tariff will have a natural digression as the market develops, as the price of the system is going to drop. But again, in order to have to maintain the decline in the system's cost, it is important that this that the scale of the industry grows rapidly.
1: Do you have any idea or sense that the government is listening to your concerns?
2: We are aware that the government is, is listening to the industry. We are teaming up with the major lobbies and we are passing the messages that the investment community is actually a long-term believer in this sector. It is important that the government fights against those speculators, but at the same time, it needs to introduce measures that will allow the serious players and the long-term investor actually to begin the investment phase in this sector.
1: Aldo Kini, thank you very much. Let's turn our attention now to our second and final topic for today, the meeting of the International Energy Forum in Riyadh next week, which will also be attended by a number of OPEC oil ministers. Javier, do we think that all the OPEC oil ministers will actually be there?
3: No, that's a very good question, because obviously the International Energy Forum is a a good opportunity for OPEC to discuss ahead of their next official meeting that is not coming until June what is at the moment the situation in the oil market? We understand that not every oil minister is going to be there, so uh, the chances of a formal emergency meeting of the of the group uh, are very low, uh, as they will need every minister to be there. So uh, most likely, Iran is not going to be there, and there are some question marks also about whether Nigeria minister will be attending and some of the Latin Americans either Venezuela or Ecuador will maybe miss missing the meeting. I mean, ministers have not yet confirmed what their plans are and some of them, they are not expecting to do so until the very last minute. So
1: given that all OPEC ministers will not be present, it means that there cannot be an OPEC decision or a formal change in output levels. Why then is this gathering important at all?
3: Well, it is important because the key ministers of OPEC, and that's particularly Saudi Arabia, Emirates, Kuwait, are going to be there and they're going to be discussing what is the situation in the oil market. Already, the core of OPEC, those uh, Middle Eastern countries, have increased their production, and they appear to be reacting to high prices and political pressure from Washington and Europe to increase production to try to lower the prices. So with the opportunity to some of the, what we call the Gulf ministers' meeting in, in Riyadh, we have the chance that they could signal that prices are maybe too high and so uh, a production increase is coming and they also could provide some comfort to the market, telling the market exactly what they are producing right now because obviously uh, there is not a science to know what is the production of these countries more than an art. Uh, It's just tanker tracking, so the, the, the precise production numbers are unclear and the market needs more clarity from the OPEC ministers on exactly how much, particularly Saudi Arabia, is pumping.
1: You disclosed in the FT a few weeks ago that some of the key OPEC members had quietly increased their own production. Did that have much of an impact in terms of cooling the market?
3: Well, I think that that's preventing the market to rally even even higher. But, but obviously, we remain above $100 for brand that is Probably the best representation of what it's right now happening in the oil market, and the main problem is that the market remains very skeptical of these production increases. some traders say we have not seen the oil. I understand and that's what we published recently in the Financial Times that most of the oil is is heading into Asia, particularly China, we're keeping track of exactly how many cargos and where those cargos are going. It's very difficult even for for the most savvy oil traders. But um, the International Energy Agency has himself confirmed that indeed some OPEC countries are increasing production. I think that there the most important message is that they do care about $100 oil and they don't want to see the repetition of the runaway prices that we saw in 2008.
1: The country with the greatest spare capacity is, of course, Saudi Arabia. By how much has Saudi Arabia increased its output approximately in response to these concerns?
3: Most people will agree that Saudi Arabia has increased its production by about a quarter of a million barrels a day over the last few months. Uh, probably production increases started around November. They have continued in January and there are some signs that production continues to increase although at a, a lower level right now in February. So Saudi Arabia probably over the last three months is about a quarter of a million barrels a Day, probably over the last six months, is a bit more than that. An indication is that the, it is, is continuing pumping more. And more importantly, we have seen now indications over the last few weeks that Kuwait and Emirates, uh, the United Arab Emirates are also increasing their production.
1: Because of these production increases, the compliance rate with OPEC output cuts must have fallen quite substantially.
3: Uh, it has, it has fallen dramatically. I mean, uh, OPEC at the moment is complying less than half of what he agreed at the end of 2008 and the beginning of 2009 so that's a very good signal that some opec countries do care about 100 dollars oil and even if we continue to have this public mantra that the market is well supplied that this is all about the dollar and the speculation What you see in the physical market is more oil coming from OPEC, so the demand is there. But at the same time, as OPEC countries are pushing for more oil, the new data that we are getting on on the strength of oil demand continues to surprise on the upside, particularly the numbers from China are extremely strong.
1: Does the reduction in the compliance rate have repercussions in terms of diminishing the credibility of OPEC?
3: Well, it it does in a way, but the the traders have paid little attention to the quota system over the last few months, probably over the last two years, because they have been focusing more on what the actual production of OPEC is. I think that the most important problem for the credibility of the group is telling the market exactly how much they are producing. The the market needs clarity on actual numbers. And and the problem is that the, the confusion between what the actual Official limits are what is the actual production that's not helping, and probably that's keeping the market higher than otherwise would be the case.
1: Javier Blas, thank you very much indeed. We'll be watching closely what happens in that meeting in Riyadh next week, and we'll be reporting back. That's all we have time for today. All that's left is for me to thank my guests, Aldo Beorchini and Javier Blas. Energy Weekly is produced by LJ Filotrani. I'm David Blair. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.